0: Well, amen. Thank you, Brother Tyler, for that song. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to read one verse to get us started this morning. And finally, we're going to get to start this short three-week series that uh, we started announcing the middle of of last month uh, that we have titled Life Fit. And I know that I expressed this uh, in the bulletin, and you probably already read it this morning. Let me just take a a moment real quick to verbally uh, express our gratitude as a family for your love and support Uh, over the course of the last week or so. uh, Yesterday was the one-week anniversary um, of our oldest son's funeral. And uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, uh, these have been the, the darkest days of our lives. And we realize that We're not the only family who's walked this path. We get that. As a matter of fact, some of you who have walked this path have been our greatest source of help and comfort. And and we thank you for that. And unfortunately, we understand this morning that we'll not be the last family who will walk that dark path. I can tell you this, and I believe I speak on behalf of my wife and my son and our daughter and even our daughter-in-law and her family, that we value more than ever the friendship of believers here and literally around the world. You know, we would get numerous text messages that would start something like like this. I I know you've gotten a a ton of, of messages. And I wish I had the time to text back to every one of those people and tell them, please do not apologize for sending us comfort. You know why? Because there are some people who don't even get one text. They don't get one card. They don't get one phone call. I've done funerals over the years when it's been a a widow and maybe two or three family members. And as we gathered last week at Central High School in Burden and looked around in that little gym, there were over a thousand people. And it blessed our hearts. And so from our hearts, let me say thank you again and this is the place we need to be today this is our family and this is our safe place this is our healing place and we're thankful that you've come to join us today this will be the first of of three messages as I said a moment ago dealing with our spiritual fitness Um, We're going to be looking at three disciplines that every Christian, every believer ought to have built into their lives if they hope to stay in good spiritual shape. Now I think you would agree with me this morning that we live in a fitness conscious society. I mean, you know it's reached its peak when McDonald's decides that they're taking cheeseburgers out of Happy Meals. Come on, what's this world coming to, for crying out loud? We live in a fitness-conscious society, and, and certainly I do not think that that is an altogether bad thing. As a matter of fact, we spent all of last month talking about the practice of stewardship. And we talked about how we ought to manage well the gifts that God bestows upon us. And certainly, we didn't cover this, but we certainly could have covered this in a series on stewardship. And that is stewarding our health. We ought to thank God for what health we have. And we ought to do the, the very best that we can in, in, in caring for our bodies and, and for our health. And, and personally, I, I, I at least make an attempt to stay in some semblance of shape. I'm glad that round is a shape. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do my best to, to try to stay in, in some semblance of of good health and good shape. I I get to play racquetball at least three times a week, maybe sometimes four. And then I checked on my app that I that I took up cycling a, a few years ago, and I, I, I looked on my app this week to to see if I could find uh, how many rides I've done since I started using that app back in May of 2015. And I don't know if this is a lot or not, but I've, I've recorded 140 rides uh, since May of, of 2015, a little over 3,200 miles pedaling down the road. 3,219 to be exact. So if you, if you math people, that's about 23, uh, average of 23 miles a ride, uh, somewhere around 100 miles a month. And, and honestly, I could be doing better, I know that, but at least I'm doing something, right? Doing something is better than doing nothing. And the same principle applies for us spiritually. Listen, church, every time we read our Bible, every time we pray, every time we practice the discipline of biblical fasting, listen, we are contributing to our overall spiritual health. And the more we do, then the better off we'll be. Those three things, prayer, Bible reading, and fasting, are the three spiritual disciplines that we will cover now over the course of the next two weeks. It's going to be three weeks, but now two weeks. I'll cover prayer this morning. Brother Tyler, I'll be preaching next Sunday, Lord willing, in our church plan in Scottsdale. And Brother Tyler will cover Bible reading on Sunday morning, and then the practice of biblical fasting on Sunday night. That's not something that we preach on a lot, or, or even practice as much as we should in our lives personally, and in our church corporately, but it's in the Word, amen. It's a biblical principle, and he's going to be touching on some of those things. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 18, I just want to read... Uh, the first verse here this morning, Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. I, I hope you'll forgive the sniffing and hacking and coughing. And we'll try to, to limit that this morning. But in verse 1, and he, that's Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. It is impossible to overestimate the power of prayer in the life of a child of God. Let me ask you some questions real quick. Number one, how much of a premium do you put on prayer? Secondly, let me ask you this. What place does prayer have in your life? I'm telling you, developing a a habit, a daily habit, a daily discipline of prayer, listen to me, it will change your life. In the first verse of Luke 18, the word ought there describes an obligation. So prayer is not only a resource, it is certainly a resource, and I thank God for the avenue of prayer and the resource of prayer. But let's be honest this morning, it's also a responsibility. (coughs) Prayer is something that we ought to do. So if we're not doing it, then we're being disobedient to the Lord. So let's look at some things regarding uh, this matter of prayer and its importance in our life. And let's begin with this this morning. What does a daily prayer life look like? And if I could think of anybody in the Bible who patterns this, it would be Daniel in the Old Old Testament. And I'm not going to ask you to turn there. We'll put the verse on the screen this morning. But in Daniel chapter 6, and verse 10, we read this, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times. So that one verse reveals some some important things to us today. If we want to get a glimpse of uh, and have an understanding of what a daily prayer life actually looks like. And we'll start with this. Daniel prayed. At the end of verse 10, we read, As he did, before time, or 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 as he was accustomed to doing, or as he had done in the past, or or was his uh, uh, normal practice is what the verse is saying there. So prayer was obviously a regular part of Daniel's life. His kneeling and praying on this occasion was not just because he had a special need. And God, forgive us if, if our only time of, of serious praying is when we're in trouble or when we have a need or when we feel like we really need God. God, forgive us for that. That was not Daniel's practice. Daniel was accustomed to praying all the time. It was a way of life for him. It's what he was accustomed to doing. Prayer was not only a priority in Daniel's life, but it was also a priority in the life of our Lord many times, and we'll read a couple of those uh, this morning, many times in the scriptures we we find recorded where Christ prayed. I think it's interesting, and always have, to note that some of the first recorded words about Paul, after his uh, conversion are found in Acts chapter 9 and verse 11, where it says this, Behold, he prayeth. And if you read the writings of Paul, you'll find that it's it's very obvious that prayer was a priority in his life, too. The great prayer warrior of yesteryear, R.A. Torrey, once said, We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. The power of God is lacking in our lives and work. And then he said this, we have not because we ask not. Or because we do not pray. So God help us this morning to make prayer a priority. But then let's look where Daniel prayed. He was not only accustomed to praying, but it appears that he was also accustomed to praying in the same place. Now, again, don't get me wrong this morning. A person can pray anywhere. Jonah, for crying out loud, prayed from the belly of a fish. Peter prayed from a rooftop. Hezekiah prayed from his bed. Paul prayed from a prison cell. Jesus prayed on a mountaintop. You can pray anywhere. But you will find that having a designated place to pray will be helpful in establishing prayer as a regular part of your life. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 6, the famous sermon on the mount, he said this, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And the thought that Jesus was trying to convey here is that there ought to be, he took for granted that there would be a prayer closet, that there would be a, a place somewhere, a private place, where we could be alone with him. Mark 1.35 says, speaking of Jesus, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed, watch this, into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus picked a time when he would not be distracted. He picked a place where he could not be bothered. He picked a, a, a time and a place when and where he could be alone with his father. It's up to you to determine what place is going to serve best as your place of prayer. I can't tell you that. I mean, if you're crying out loud, for a for a mom, it may be the bathroom, maybe the only place she can escape the kids. Then before you know it, you see this little face down there under the door. God help mamas. Let's talk a moment about when Daniel prayed. It is said of Daniel that he was accustomed to praying three times a day. And I think we can safely assume that he prayed in the morning, and he prayed in the afternoon, and he prayed in the evening. And I know exactly what some of you are thinking right now. Well, I got that covered. Because I pray over breakfast, and I pray over lunch, and I pray over supper. That's not the kind of praying that we're talking about here. Okay? We'll get get into that more uh, in just a minute. The psalmist said this, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Just as we can pray anywhere... God knows we can pray any time. But again, as it is with the place, I would submit to you this morning that it is best to have a specific time to pray as well. Because we're talking about developing a a discipline of prayer. So having the same place and, and, and trying to do it at the same time is going to be most beneficial uh, to us when we're trying to, to develop this very important discipline. For me, the time is in the morning. It is, it's my habit when I come to my office of a, of a weekday <coughs> that I read my Bible and I pray. And I understand this morning that, that may not be the case with you, and that's fine. But if you want to be all in in your prayer life, then you need to strive to have a place and a time where you can consistently involve yourself in the discipline of prayer. Then one more thing real quick about Daniel. Look at how he prayed. Our verse from Daniel said that he he prayed kneeling. But listen. We can pray anywhere, we can pray anytime, and we can pray in any way. And there is no set posture for prayer. <laughs> Somebody some time ago sent me a text message, and I was driving, so it came over my, uh, my system there in, in my Tahoe. And it said, blah, 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 blah. Flesh colored hands pressed together. <laughs> so they put a, a, an emoji in there hands pressed together. And you know, sometimes I think that, that we think that that's all there is to prayer. But understand this morning, and, and we don't have time to go to everything there is about prayer today. But the position, the posture that you assume when you pray is not near as important as the fact that you're praying. Yeah. Having said all of that, let me say this. There is something, at least for me, about getting on my knees. The kneeling position Suggest humility and respect. One writer said, although posture is not important, I find that I am able to express my dependence better on my knees. A sign of helplessness apart from the divine enablement. Personally, I do not always kneel when I pray. Sometimes when I'm praying in my office, I'll walk around my office. There have been times I've come into this auditorium and I've walked in and out of these rows praying for specific people and praying for specific things. And there have been times that I walked around the property praying. Last week I walked around the hotel parking lot praying. If I'm flying out of town or, or leaving early in the morning driving somewhere, I'll pray while I'm driving. Listen, what's important, as I said a moment ago, is that we're praying for crying out loud and that we're doing it every day. So having said that, let's, let's take a, a, a look at the importance of a daily prayer life. Developing a daily prayer life is important, I think, for at least three reasons. Number one, because it's a place, prayer is a place of commitment. I want to share three passages of Scripture with you, and then I'll... I'll, I'll give you a little explanation. The first one is from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And in verse 2, he said, And be not uh, conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he wrote earlier in the book of Romans, Neither yield ye your members. He's talking about literally the members of our physical body. Our feet, our hands, our, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mouths, our hearts. Don't yield your members, he said, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then in our study of spiritual warfare, some time ago, we read this verse in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Paul said, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Let me ask you this morning: how is it that we that we surrender our bodies as living sacrifices and yield the members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness and clothe ourselves with the armor of God? God, I would submit to you this morning that the way we do that is through prayer. Prayer is a place of daily commitment. And here's what that prayer may sound like. Lord, I want to thank you for giving me another day of life. And God, with your help, I will live this day to the best of my ability for your honor and your glory and Lord with your help I'm going to think thoughts that are good and right and holy and pure and Lord with your help I'm only going to say those things today that are that are edifying to others that lift others up that are positive and God honoring and Lord if you'll help me today then I will 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 only listen to those things that will that will encourage my walk With you, and I'll only look at things today with your help that are that are right and that are that are pure. And and Lord, if you'll help me, everything that I do today with my hands, I'm committing my hands to you, and everything that I do today, I'll do heartily as unto the Lord, and I'll do it to be a blessing to others. And God, I hope that you'll help me guard my heart today, that my desires will be your desires. And Lord, with your help today and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going To walk in the way of your word. What have I just done? I have just committed myself to the Lord for that day. I've prayed on the helmet, and you could go through the armor. God, protect my mind with the helmet of salvation, and help my hands to be filled with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, and guard my heart with the breastplate of righteousness, and may my loins be girt about today with truth, and may I wear on my feet uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. It doesn't matter what you say or how you do it, but what I'm telling you this morning, here's why developing a daily habit of prayer is so important. It's because it's a place of commitment. It's a place every day where I say, God, I'm yours. This is not about my agenda today. This is about your agenda. This is about what you want in my life. And God, with your help, I will live today the way that you want me to live. I'm committing myself to you. Not only is prayer a place of commitment, it's also a place of communion. I love what Jim Symbala said in his book, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. He says this somewhat tongue-in-cheek. He says, if our churches don't pray, and if people don't have an appetite for God, what does it matter how many are attending the services? How would that impress God? Can you imagine the angel saying, oh, your pews, chairs, we can't believe how beautiful they are. Up here in heaven, we've been talking about them for years. Your sanctuary lighting, it's so clever. The way you have the steps leading up to the pulpit, it's it's wonderful. I don't think so. If we don't want to experience God's closeness here on earth, why would we want to go to heaven anyway? It's a good question. He is the center of everything there. If we don't enjoy being in his presence here and now, then heaven would not be heaven for us. Why would he send anyone there who doesn't long for him passionately here on earth? How greatly do you long to be with the Lord? You see, prayer is a place of communion. A daily prayer life is what gives us a way to pour our hearts out to the Lord and to talk to him about the things that are troubling us. And and I love over there in the Psalms where David even said, Lord, I have poured out my complaint to you. Listen, you can't pray anything to God that he can't handle. He knows about all of the hurt. He knows about all of the frustration. He knows about all of the issues in your marriage, all of the issues with your kids, all of your issues at work, all of the issues with your finances, all of the struggles that you're having with your health, all of the anything you could bring to him, God already knows. And you talk about a safe place to vent. That's our God. You know why you need to have a daily prayer life? It's because every day you and I need to commit ourselves to God. And every day we need to have an avenue whereby we can pour out our hearts. It's a place of communion. And then understand this this morning, it's a place of confession. John wrote in 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if there's one thing that we all have in common when it comes to prayer, it is the need to confess our sin. And aren't you glad today, aren't you thankful that our confession to sin is to be made to God and not to man? Hallelujah. As your pastor, I don't want to know about all the evil, wicked, mean, bad, nasty things you've done.
1: And there ain't a man on the earth that I
0: want to know mine. And I'm glad that I don't have to go to some man and then think somehow he can take him to God and I can be. No, 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 no. Jesus is the mediator now between God and man. And Jesus carries those things to the Lord. By going to the Lord on a daily basis, we're able to keep our lives clean before Him. And I really hesitate to ask this next question because I'm afraid somebody's going to raise their hand. But how many of you uh, only bathe or brush your teeth once a week? Or once a month? Hey, if the person next to you didn't raise their hand, look at them real quick and say right answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you here only wash dishes once a month? Don't raise your hand. But seriously, if a time of cleansing in a physical sense is important, and it's important that we do it on a daily basis, then how much more is the need for being clean spiritually? Remember what the psalmist said? He said, if I regard, if I, if I hold or harbor iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Someone has rightly said, do not expect God to cover what you are not willing to uncover. In other words, in order for God to uh, forgive our sin, then we must first of all be willing to confess our sin. So we've seen what a daily prayer life looks like thanks to the life of Daniel. And I hope you understand now the importance of the Development of the spiritual discipline of prayer in your life. And so now the only thing left is to get started. Everybody say, let's do it. Let's get started. Pastor, I want that. How do I get started? Two things real quick. Number one, decide that you're going to pray every day. Listen, I've been at this long enough. I'm not so naive As to think that just because I preach this message today, that everybody here is going to run home and and start tomorrow praying every day. I've been at this long enough to know that I can preach and I'm blue in the face about prayer and tell you everything the Bible has to say about prayer, but until you decide to pray, it's not going to happen. Daily prayer is a decision that you have to make. Now, if you're a new believer here today or, or a young believer here today, I mean, this stuff can, can sound somewhat overwhelming. Well, Pastor, I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know how long I'm supposed to pray. I, I don't know how to go about it. Let me, let me give you something that I, that I hope will help you and encourage you. It comes from a book called The Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. And if you haven't read that book, men, I would encourage you to pick that book up and read it. It'll help you the disciplines of a godly man. On page 105, he writes this. We must not over, this is so realistic, we must not over-commit ourselves, especially if we're just beginning. The tendency when truly challenged is to say, I'm committing myself to two hours of daily prayer. I'm going to read the Bible through twice this year. I'm going to have a prayer list that is second to none. He said better to commit yourself to a total of 15 minutes and maintain it, and maintain it with perhaps five minutes of Bible reading, five minutes of meditation, and five minutes of disciplined prayer. Now, by the way, meditation is not one of these, oh, oh, he's talking about thinking on what you've read. Chewing on what you've read. He said, don't don't overcommit. Start small. Start with, with 15 minutes. Reading your Bible for five minutes. Thinking about what you've read for five minutes. And then five minutes of disciplined prayer. A regular time of devotion and prayer will become a habit. And the habit of prayer, I love this, will give wings to your spiritual life. When you first implement a daily prayer life, listen to your pastor this morning, don't focus as much on the length of your prayer time as on the regularity of it. Just make sure you do it every day. Just like you make sure you eat every day. Make sure you pray every day. When I first took up cycling, It wasn't very encouraging. When I get about three miles, and I was toast. Now, from my house, that's west on North Hawley, and then south on western to about 15th, maybe to 11th. That's about a mile and a half. And then back to my house, and it's, honey, call 911. It was bad. Three miles was about it. So you know what I did? I rode three miles over. And over and over again. And then I got brave one day. I said, let's see how I'm feeling. And so I went past 15th, and I went past 11th, and I went past 2nd Street. I got all the way down to 4U Trailer Park, right there are the tracks. Exactly three miles. But then it dawned on me. It's three miles back. <laughs> Bummer. But I made it. And so then I started riding six miles over and over and over again. And then one day, I got to the tracks and I turned to right. And that big, huge, gigantic hill there by (laughs) Keating. Come on, man. To me, it was huge. (laughs) Man, I pedaled up that. I thought, man, if I make it home, I'm never doing this again. I made it home. You know what, I did it again, and I did it again. And the next thing I know, I'm up the overpass, and I'm headed toward Tyrone, and I'm thinking, this may not end well. (laughs) But I made it to Tyrone, and I made it back. 24 miles. And I just kept doing that and kept doing that. And then, then one day I rode to hooker. And back. And I kept doing that, and then we rode to Optima and back, didn't we, Brother Mike? I had to wait on him. He was really slow. (laughs) But you got to understand, he brought his bike from Arizona that he had as a teenager. He looked like a bear on a tricycle, (laughs) but I'm riding behind him, and his his knees are coming up here, and like, dude, you need to get something different. And he did, and now he leaves me way behind. Go back to the other one, would you please? <laughs> and I just kept riding and kept riding and kept riding until last summer, Mike and Mike don't ever trust two guys with the same first name, <laughs> especially if it's Mike. They said, Bridge, let's go on a ride. <laughs> Man, not a problem. So we passed Tyrone, and we passed Hooker, and we get to I said, so yeah, cool. I've done this before, and we'd go past Optimal. And it wasn't long, and I'm seeing Gaiman. Dude. By the end of the day, 82 miles. Longest I've ever ridden. But here's the point I want to make this morning. It started with riding three miles. Listen, don't, don't start out thinking you're going to pray for two hours a day. Just pray, would you? Just pray. Baby steps. And then here's what you're going to find. At some point, you're going to be done and you're going to look at your watch and it's going to be 15 minutes. And all you've done is confess your sin. And another 15 confessing the sin of your spouse or 20 or 25. point is, before long you get in this habit of prayer and, and you start sensing God's presence in that place where you are and, and God touches your heart and you start pouring your heart out to God and, and then you see God doing things that you've asked Him to do and I'm going to tell you, it, you'll love it! And it all started on a Monday in February when you said, okay Lord I'm going to give this a shot. Preacher said it's going to be good for me. So I'm going to try it. And years from now, I hope you'll look back on this day. That message that spurred you on to a great prayer life. But you have to decide if you're going to pray. And then real quick, you've got to be determined that you're going to pray. Because Listen. Not everybody's going to be happy about you deciding to pray. Namely, the devil. He's not going to like it. Because he knows you're the strongest when you're on your knees. Prayer is a great weapon in our spiritual battle against the powers of darkness. I believe a man by the name of Andrew Murray was right when he said the enemy uses all his power to lead the Christian. And listen to this staff, and above all, the minister to neglect prayer. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're going to purpose to pray. And the devil say you ain't got time for that. Or you need to do this, or you need to do that. Listen, you need to guard that time. Guard that time. Make it precious. And you've got to be determined that you're going to push through all of that, all of the distractions. And you say, well, I didn't sound very good today. It's not about how you sound. It's about the heart. Now, let me say this, and I'm done. I want to encourage you this morning, whether you're you're one of our church members or whether you're a, a regular attender or a guest today, I want to encourage you to do something today. We're doing something starting February the 23rd that, that probably, to our shame, we've never done, at least under my ministry. I don't ever remember our church doing this. Some of the, of the gray heads here this morning may remind me after church, and that's fine. But I don't ever remember our church having a 24-hour prayer meeting. Now listen, before you freak out, here's how that's going to work. the mic's made up a couple of sheets. you at the Resource Center. We're starting on Friday morning, February the 23rd at 6 o'clock. He's got from 6 o'clock, from 6 a.m. on Friday to 6 a.m. on Saturday, he's got that all marked off on, on uh, sheets in the back in 15-minute increments. And here's what we're encouraging you to do, church. We're encouraging you. And hurry, you've got to do this fast because the 3 in the morning's already taken. The 3:30's is still open, so you better hurry if you want to get that one. But here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to sign up for 15 minutes of prayer. We'd encourage you to come to the church and pray. We understand that it may not be feasible for like single moms. You can't just leave your kids in bed. We get that. But there are plenty of times out there. We want to encourage you. to I don't know what to pray about for 15 minutes. That's why we're going to give you a list. And by the way, as you begin your daily uh, habit of prayer, I'd encourage you to develop a prayer list. Start writing, begin by thanking God for the blessings he's given you. And pray for those that you love who are lost and without the Lord. And and this probably sounds a bit self-serving, but add some time in there to pray for your pastor and your ministry staff and our families. Pray for folks who've asked you to pray for them. Pray for those people you said, hey, I'm praying for you. This time you mean it because you are. And you've got a list. We're going to give you a list of things. We've got our Spring Revival coming up next month. We've got our Amen Conference coming up. We've got our Missions Conference coming up. We've got a number of things that we're going to encourage you to pray for. And then you add to all of that the things that are on your heart and the things that you want to pray for. And I'm telling you this morning, it it won't be no time. And 15 minutes is up. And it's okay if you pray longer. We'd love to fill that sheet up today. It would be awesome if we could fill that sheet up today. Wouldn't it, Brother Mike? How many? Ninety? Ninety-six? And there are 24 or so taken. Is that right? All right, so we've still got some to go. And there are plenty of people in here this morning to help us. It's at the resource center. As soon as you walk out the wood doors, I hope that you'll help us. We want to pray 24 hours around the clock. And then see what God does in the midst of our church family. Now I know today hasn't been a message that would necessarily elicit a huge altar response. But I don't ever want to preach to you on Sunday morning without giving you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you brought something with you today. Something's on your heart. Someone's on your heart today. And you would just want to come and pray for them. Or maybe you say, Lord, I'm not going to wait till Monday. I'm going to start now. Right now, I'm going to come, and Lord, I'm going to ask you to help me pray. God, I want to be a prayer. Which, by the way, when you get ready to text the word you need to double check that. Because it always comes up, prayer. I'm just telling you. Hey, Brother Prayer. I, I'm glad to be known as Pastor Prayer or Brother Prayer. But I don't think that's what you meant. But we're going to pray, the tithe is going to sing, altars be open. If God's spoken to your heart today in some way, or maybe you've got something even unrelated to the message, maybe you're here today, you haven't prayed the ultimate prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I want to be saved. That's why I came today. If that's your prayer, you let that be known when you come. We'd be more than happy to open the Word of God show you how to take that great step of faith into the family of God. Father, we come before you today.